As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the strip teaser and the Saturday Night Hooker. I'm joined, as per usual, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Big Jed, how are you tonight? Oh, Gek, I am well. Thank you for asking. Uh, you know, got uh, my, my day kind of got thrown into a bit of a tailspin. Um, my plan was to record tonight's show live from the Great American 500K, um, Thursday night, 40 grander. But um, that, that plan got derailed just slightly. So I'll be down in the morning and, um, you know, get, uh, get involved in the show. I've had an entry there for a couple of days now that I haven't gotten to enjoy. So I'm going to get to go enjoy it for the last two days of it. Nice. I don't know that our, our live audience will be tremendous tonight. It is Thursday evening. We are going up against, I think it's round five of tonight's 40 grander in Montgomery. Maybe maybe somebody jump on the chat for the, the chat bleachers. They're like, hey, it doesn't really matter yet. We're not to the finals. Come watch the podcast for a while. Maybe switch back and forth. Get a little dual screen action. Yeah, we need that. Somebody that's, uh, that's tuning in here, go in the bleachers and let them know we're talking about racing over here. So we record on the eve of the $500,000 to win main event. So we don't know who, who tonight's winner is going to be. We probably won't know by the end of this podcast. But there's essentially been a, a week of racing leading up to this point in Montgomery. Obviously, the biggest of the festivities yet to come. We'll, uh, we'll dive into that a little bit later in the show. But what's happened to this point so far, Big Jed? The, the Mike Smith Memorial saw Timmy Smith earn one of the big checks and unlike a lot of the things that uh, that we're known for no relation this one's a relation and it's pretty special pretty special moment down at uh, at Montgomery yeah Luke it was uh you know 
ultra special. Uh, obviously, Mike Smith, uh, a, a longtime racer, well-known, highly loved, uh, highly respected, talented, very talented, capable of winning anytime he suited up. And, you know, he was well into his 50s uh, when, uh, when he left us and still collecting, you know, big paydays at the races, even at that time. So, uh, a, a major loss to the racing community, not to just racing, but mankind, certainly as family and friends. And they have a memorial race at Montgomery in his honor. And Timmy has gotten close at least once that I know of, and maybe another time. And he even said to me uh, down there on uh, on Saturday or Sunday, one of the two, man, I just, I really want to win this race. And I've, I've gotten close and hadn't been able to pull it off. And then he goes and gets it done in the final round on Sunday, the last car down the track with a wind light, to, you know, celebrate in the winter circle in a race that honors his late great father. Really special moment. Uh, Timmy hasn't done a whole lot of racing since his father uh, left us and uh, understandably, uh, but uh, but he's back out there now doing it and doing it like he always has it. Super, super fun to watch him get that done and a super special moment to, to see that in the winter circle. No, just reading Timmy's Facebook post in the aftermath, like there was just the emotion was oozing out of it, like as I'm sure anyone can uh, can imagine. And, and those of us that have have lost a parent or specifically a father can attest like it, it, it never goes away, but those first few years, it's really tough sledding, right? And to to be able to to get back to the top of the mountain at that particular event, he said he was wearing his father's helmet. Like I can just imagine all that's running through his mind in the late rounds, and then specifically when that final wind light comes on, like that's one of those moments that you just you couldn't script any better something that he'll never forget. Pretty cool just to watch from a side. So congrats, Timmy Smith, 100%. Yeah, well said, Luke, and, and certainly don't want to don't want to try to put you in this category, but could you even imagine winning, you know, the, the Gary Bogacki Memorial mm-hmm. and and doing it with your father's helmet? You know, you, you and your dad were best friends. You raced together. You you did it all together. You, you went through the ups and the downs of racing together, much like Timmy and Mike did uh, as as not only father and son, but best friends. So um, I, I couldn't even begin to imagine the the emotion that's in your body and your mind as it's leading up to that moment, because you want it so bad. And I I told him, we talked uh, the day after and I said, Timmy, I couldn't imagine winning a million would have more satisfaction or gratification than that race had for you. And he said, no, it wouldn't. He said, that's, that's the one I wanted. So, you know, that emotion is in the body and in, and those thoughts are in the mind and you're still able to do it. And he did it at, a very high level he was making some nasty nasty runs drove extremely well so uh just really cool to see how he kept his emotions in check and was able to pull that off knowing how much it meant to him the other big winner from the uh the warm-up race if you will of the uh the great american the prelude to the great american 500k the mike smith memorial well, Shane Carr, big check. Shane Carr collects another big check. He nearly did it twice. I think he won one day, was down to nine the other day. 
MVP for the weekend. And I think it brings up a viable question at this point, Big Jed, particularly after the last month of racing that Shane has enjoyed. When we zoom out from 2023, is Shane Carr the driver of the year? Look, it'd be hard to argue. Uh, I know there are some racers that have had very good seasons. Um, you know, when you when you total up the the number of wins, final round wins, I don't know where Shane ranks. But when the stage has been at its highest, Shane has shown up and shown out. So, uh, you know, not only that, he he's even done it some on the bottom side uh, when he was driving uh, a boss man Anthony Thrasher's Chevy two some so Shane show has shown a tremendous amount of uh, versatility and certainly talent this year he would be hard to argue against and uh, you know something tells me he's not done I know there's plenty of racing left there's uh, the Florida races that are still remaining so I feel like Shane is going to wrap the year up in style He's, uh, he's teamed up with Donnie B right now. He's got great equipment. He has got uh, as much talent as anybody at the track. And that typically leads to good results. Um, you know, I, I joked on Facebook, um, you know, Kerry, his wife, likes to have fun with the whole number 26 thing. And, and that's all fun and good. We, we know that, uh, that Shane is way further up the line than that. But um I joked a little bit with her online because they they went to their hotel and their hotel was number 226 after he won this this 30 grander at the Mike Smith race. And of course, she posted that. And I joked around. I told her in the winter circle the other night that he's moved down to 39. She asked, has he moved up? I said he's moved down to 39. But uh, in reality, he's a he's obviously a legend in our sport. And Luke, I'm not sure he's ever been better than he is right now as much as he's accomplished. And 30 years of winning, 30 plus years of winning, I'm not sure that he's ever been any better than he is today. And uh, that's impressive. Very impressive. No, it is. I mean, we discussed that a couple of weeks back. Like, I, I don't I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Shane, who's late 40s, Shane might even be 50s and around that that range. Like, it, it's rare that your best days come at that age. Not that he's an old man, but for as established as career as he's had over the last three decades for him to peak or seemingly peak, or maybe be continuing to peak at this point. Um, yeah, it's rare and, and super, it's a testament to his drive, his will, his ambition, and his, and his, you know, taking care of the things that you need to take care of to compete at that level. So if we, if we talk about, driver of the year at this point like i'm just completely off the top of the dome i'm probably leaving someone out i don't know if shane's like the runaway leader at this point but he's on the short list um top of the dome chris bears on that list certainly for the way that he dominated much of the summer um randy kraus like for for not getting on the road a ton that dude has hit some big big scores he, he's he's a nominee steve collier who i've kind of sung the praises of he's had a tremendous season um, you know, off the bottom ball. Who, who am I forgetting there, Jed? Anybody that jumps to mind? Well, I feel like Corey Galetti would be in the mix. Uh, yes. Corey's had some some pretty good days at the track this year. Uh, I feel like uh, Kevin Brannon is one that has had some, uh, enough success that he would be in the mix for sure and, you know, could possibly wrap up the season very, very strong. So 
Um, there's, there's probably not a ton of drivers on that list, Luke, but there's, uh, there's plenty and certainly still remains to be seen, but I would think that Shane at this moment is, uh, has as good a resume as anybody. Fair. Um, all right. So the, the calendar turned into this week, the great American 500 K week kicked off Tuesday with a race for a drag show that was won by a familiar name, Kyle Coltrera, got the win over Dylan Coggins. I believe both finalists in that instance walked away with new dragster chassis. And then last night in the opening in a, of a trio of $40,000 to win events, Nick Brenner got that victory over Kurt Harvey. So big, big win for Brenner. He's a, he's a, I think Nick actually resides in, in Southern Louisiana. Is kind of a regular at the King of the Coast events, Gulfport area, things like that. Uh, yeah. Nick got the win in a beautiful American car over Kurt Harvey. Harvey, Big Jed, not to take anything away from Nick Brenner's accomplishments. The little bit that I watched, Kurt Harvey was putting on an absolute show. I believe he's double entered down to seven cars, drove that final entry to the final before falling to Nick Brenner. Yeah, Harv really did put on a show, Luke. That, uh, that was a talented field, 300 or so of the best around and and harvey took two entries to seven cars certainly a very impressive performance on his part come up a little short there in the semis and then uh you know i'm in on the quarters with one entry and then in the final round with the second entry excuse me and uh, you know had a great day at the track except for for winning that final run nick brenner getting that done and he is a king of the coast regular so you, you nailed that. Uh, Nick was making some really strong runs and put out some tough competitors last night. Actually, uh, I think beat Dylan Coggins, the aforementioned uh, runner-up in the dragster race. I think he beat him in the semis. So tough road for Nick and, uh, and really cool to see him get it done. Saw the winner circle photos this morning and looked like he and his friends and family were, were loving life and having a great time as they, they should have looked after a $40,000 win on that stage. So that was cool. And uh, Kyle Cotrera, man, you know, we've run out of things to say about Kyle, but I watched that dragster shootout last night. Very impressive. Uh, as always, he's just a solid, steady performer. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's going to make you beat him. And nobody was able to in the dragster race. Dylan Coggins with a runner up. Kyle took the took the folk race cars, stage one dragster, and, uh, and Dylan got the American chassis. So, both of those come away winners. Uh, nobody lost in that, but Kyle did get the last win light. So good stuff. And um, those guys are getting down to the nitty gritty now in this, uh, in this Thursday night, 40 grander. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that one turns out as well. There's some, there's some bad cats hanging around in those late rounds. What are you even talking about? This is a drag race. There's a winner. There's a loser. Of course, somebody lost. Yeah, you're right. Somebody didn't get the win light. But when both of them get a brand new dragster from two of the top chassis builders in the world, it's hard to put the L on anybody as a title. Even if the American car was the car that Dylan Coggins want, like wanted, like he lost. He he went to bed last night thinking that night thinking. Well, look, I, I refrain from using the L word anyway. I call them winners <laughs> and non-winners. <laughs> they're, they're W's and NW's. I don't like to call anybody losers. I've gotten to the point where we're losing is so much second nature. I'm so used to it that it just doesn't bother me at all. All right. You want to play a little one word? Love one word. One word. All right. I've got some one words for you. 
we'll obviously we'll get back to Montgomery. I want to I want to turn the page a little bit to uh, the NHRA competition. We'll circle back at the end of this. We'll make some some predictions sure to go wrong on the eve of the uh, the five hundred thousand dollar main event, which you'll be a part of, Big Jet, on several different levels, right? Be letting yes. go of the switch. You'll be talking into the mic. You'll be doing it all. You'll be doing what Jed does. That's correct. Guaranteed to to be in the late rounds in one of them, the race car or the the tower. Probably not both. <laughs> Probably not both. One or t'other. All right, one word, Big Jed. Championship battles in HRA. We'll start with the ones that are over. Over, I said, and it is actually official. It's not just my pro proclamation, Big Jed. One word on Kyle Rizzoli clinching his first NHRA World Championship. He will be your 2023 Stock Eliminator World Champion. Well, Luke, the one word is very easy, and that's overdue. Good overdue word. is the word that, that fits this the most. Kyle one of the most talented guys in the category um, has certainly um, won his share of events and, and done his share of damage, but has never won the title. And certainly uh, a guy that, you know, we talked about last week uh, is, is near, if not at the top of the list of, of great racers that haven't won a title. Um, and Kyle gets to pull his name from that list wherever it falls, whether it's atop it or in the middle of it or where, but uh, really cool to see him get that done. Now, I will say I texted, I read the show notes when you, when you put that together and I texted Kyle and congratulated him. Um, you know, man, it's really cool to see you get this done. You've earned it. You deserve it. Happy for you and all that. And his response was uh, a very genuine, heartfelt thank you. However, he says that Joe Santangelo can win out and tie him. I okay. think it's two nationals and a, two nationals and a divisional. That's he all. Says, technically, technically, Joe Santangelo can win out, win all three of those, and tie me. So it's not over. So it's not official, according to Riz, and I would assume he's uh, keeping a pretty close eye on it. But reality is, his total is six ninety nine. He's got an opponent that's got to win three races from coast to coast, and there's only three of them left, coast to coast. It's over. No offense to Joe Santangelo, and I'm sure he's going to do his best to prove this wrong, but. Riaz is going to win the Stock Eliminator national title. It's over. Right? It is over. I mean, I was just going to do some crack research. I assume Joe Santangelo is in Rockingham this weekend, and let's just assume that he'll win it because, you know, he's Joe Santangelo. Um, That's right. I mean, not to say that he couldn't. He's a former world champion. He can enter any time, but my assumption would be he's not currently entered in Vegas or Pomona. Guess that would change, perhaps, if you won Rockingham. Let's take a look. This, I know this is great podcast listening, but uh, I love it. I love the live look in right here. Live look in. No, no, Joe Santangelo currently entered. Like I say, things could change, but my my assumption is the Double O Joe has no intention of heading west. It's over. Zero intention, but you let him turn that last wind light on in Rockingham, and you're going to see his name pop up on the entry list, I would think. 
now. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But Joe. Maybe. Let's let's don't jinx Riz. Let's don't let's don't put the crown on his head just yet, even though I did. It was an impressive showing to get to this point, Big Jed. Riz made it to the semifinal in Dallas last week, and obviously he would have liked to have win, won the event. Had he made the final, obviously this would be official at this point and be over. Uh, but by making it to the semifinals, he ran his total up to 699 points. Um, no one's ever lost with 700. Someone has lost with 699. It was Jody Lang. Oh, by the way, he did lose to Joe Santangelo. Ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah so second fashion. Um, but the, the pinnacle, the, the peak round here was a, a pivotal second round matchup between Kyle Rizzoli and Tyler Bohannon. And I don't want to bake this out into more than it was um, because had Tyler Bohannon won, like he probably had to go on and win the race and then probably go on and win another race to, to, to unseat Riz atop the standings. But he's one of a handful of drivers that at least had a mathematical opportunity to do so. And regardless of what Tyler did, it was a big round for Rizzoli because it was round two. That's what he was trying to improve. So Tyler had an opportunity to keep Rizzoli from improving, keep him within reach and continue his chances. When Kyle's win light comes on, it not only advanced his cause, he began earning points. It also officially eliminated one of the contenders from the race, Rizzoli over Tyler Bohannon in round two. And for all intents and purposes, that's right, right? Not intensive purposes. We've discussed this before. Intents and purposes. And for all intents and purposes. Yes. And purposes, Riz is your world champion. One word, Big Jed. Brandon Miller putting the exclamation point on his championship season with the Jags All-Star title in top dragster and a near double up. Winner in top dragster, runner up in the Jags All-Stars in top sportsman. Oh, look, the one word for me, and, and it's probably not as fitting a word as it needs to be, but predictable. Uh, Brandon you know he's been the he's been the head of the class now for a little while this year, and certainly has driven at a level that has exceeded all others in the category for for the season. So you know I, I think uh, I think he's definitely been the class of his class, and and certainly class is at times. So I think it was predictable and uh, and fun to watch, uh, Brandon has driven extremely well this year and been able to do that in multiple categories at times, but certainly, uh, certainly in the top sportsman category is where he's done the most damage, but he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. And his, his season wrapping up the way that, that he has uh, attempted it to wrap up, attempted to make it wrap up is predictable. Similar to the Rizzoli situation. And in fact, across the board in the sportsman categories at this point, no one has officially clinched with that news on Kyle Rizzoli. So in a similar situation as Brandon Miller, it's not mathematically over. I believe looking at the points uh, by my, by my chicken scratch math, Brian Moore is the only racer that can catch Brandon Miller and Moore would have to win two of the last three events and Hope that Miller does not improve at his last divisional event, which I presume is this weekend in Rockingham. So again, it looking looking like all but a foregone conclusion for Brandon Miller, who again just cemented that monster season with the near double at the Jags All Stars, one top dragster as the blocker, which means he won it for his second consecutive season, nearly duplicated the feat 
in top sportsman with the runner-up finish to Dean Hall in what was a very climactic final. Big Jed, they they ran Miller ran top dragster first, so top sportsman's the last thing down the track. And not only did the the title of Jeg's All Stars hang in the balance, but also the team championship. Dean Hall wins that round. It's the Division Seven title. If Brandon Miller wins that round, obviously he's competing for Division One. But by keeping Dean Hall out of the winner's circle, that would have actually won the championship for Division Four. So a lot riding on that final round that didn't go Brandon yes. Miller's way. Yeah, sound like uh, got pretty pretty exciting there, and certainly had uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of results riding on it. So hate, uh, hate that he didn't accomplish the ultimate goal, but, um, you know, that's tough, uh, that's tough task to double up in, in a talent rich class, uh, you know, to win in one class is difficult, but to do it in two is extremely challenging. And he, uh, he took a heck of a run at it. And those of you in the, in the, the chat bleachers here for, uh, for the podcast, as we get down to, I don't know, if we're going into like round six, seven, if we're 10 cars or less at Montgomery, give us a rundown. Who's still in? We'll go live with the prediction sure to go wrong here before the end of the show. One word, Big Jim. For the second time in as many years and seemingly more times than that over the course of history, obviously, I want to sell Devin Eisenhower short. He's a super guy, former Super Gas World Champion, also an ET Series World Champion, and he's not very old. But one word on Devin Eisenhower, his run toward another championship falling just short for a second consecutive season. Uh, Luke, I think probably Devin and I share the same word uh, for me, you know, just from an excitement standpoint and wanting to see him take it to the end. It's disappointing for it to, to end this way uh i thought you were you know, gonna if you were gonna use the same word as Devin, i thought it was gonna have four letters <laughs> yeah it's got a few more than that uh you know it's disappointing to see um him not be able to to run this all the way out uh, as he is he's taken this battle to the to the very bitter end before and uh and you know certainly this ended short of in a time frame that he wanted at the end and certainly at, at the, the ultimate result that he wanted to get. So I uh, hate to see that happen, but made a heck of a run at it. And, you know, when you look out in front of you, who's, who's out there uh, looking basically inevitable to, to clinch this thing, you can't, you can't be upset. I mean, John LaVos Jr., one of the best to ever do it. So, you know, when you fall short to him, you know you fell short to a to a true champion. So Devin has nothing to be ashamed of. That's a heck of a run. And um, I'm sure that uh, that he'll come back in 2024 and, and make another go of it. For a, a second consecutive season, Devin Eisenhower came into his last event of the year with a shot. Now, in both instances, it was a long shot. I think last year he had to make the final at Pomona uh, in order to win the world championship. This year he had to do no less than win at Dallas to overtake John LaBoose Jr., take the lead, and presumably hold on for the title. Obviously, that fell short as a rough weekend for Devin falling in round one. But uh, it's not not common to even be in that situation once, much less in back-to-back seasons. And if I know Devin Eisenhower, this is the type of thing that just fuels the fire. Now, as we zoom out to John LaBoose Jr., it's similar to the, the the two classes in Stock Eliminator and Top Sportsman that we just talked about. Supercom's not over, 
but it's looking really yeah. good for John LaBouche Jr. at this point. Uh, sitting atop the class with 677 points. Tanner Theobald is the driver that has the best shot to catch him, and he needs 75 more points. That doesn't sound like a ton on paper, but when you get into what Tanner is trying to improve, how well he's done to this point in the season, it's a pretty monumental task. At minimum, he needs 75 points. If he were to win his next national event, let's say he wins at Las Vegas, he'd improve by 54 points. So now he's just 21 back. He would still have to make another final round. And again, just three races remain total. So win that first national event, he'd have to make a final at either the points meet in Vegas or Pomona. So one win, another final, just to tap top what Labus has now. It's possible. It's unlikely, even for someone as talented as Tanner Theobald. Others, a handful of others have a mathematical chance, but I mean, we're talking like what you just outlined with Joe Santangelo. We're talking Bradley Johnson-like runs to finish the season where it's just win after win after win after win. And suddenly you wake up second round in Pomona and be like, oh my goodness, so-and-so has a shot, right? Um, it, it's looking like John LaBouche Jr. will earn his second title in his second separate category. Yeah, it does appear that way. And uh, again, certainly a, a challenging battle for LaBouche and Eisenhower and any of the other contenders up until, I guess, about the last two or three weeks. There were uh, maybe five, even six racers that had a mathematical shot, if I remember correctly, and from a previous show. So that number is whittled down now. Theobald with a monumental task in front of him to try to make it happen. Again, it's not over, but it's over. Getting word here that Kurt Harvey is doubled once again late at Montgomery. Kurt, that's not fair. Calm down, Kurt. Wow. Wow. We'll, we'll yeah, dive yeah. a little bit deeper into that as we go. We talked through the three NHRA categories that are essentially over, presumably over. Let's talk about some that are down to just a couple or maybe a handful of competitors. And Big Ched, I really thought this week we'd be saying that Supergas was over. We could finally just put the crown on Sherman's head, be done with it. Big Ched, Supergas just got interesting. There is some meat on the bone there. Trevor Larson staged for his first round of Supergas for the season on July 28th. At that point, not only had Sherman Adcock Jr. won five of his first six events, it was almost a distant memory. It had happened months before Trevor Larson ever staged. At that point, when Trevor Larson staged for first round at Topeka on July 28th, what kind of odds could you have gotten that he would be in the championship hunt or win it at that point, given Sherman Adcock's score? A uh, thousand to one. Minimum. Or Trevor Larson's yeah. victory in Dallas last weekend continues an improbable run. Big Jed, one word on Trevor Larson winning Dallas and suddenly being very much in the thick of the Supergas World Championship hunt. Well, since Sherman was my pick, Luke, um, and, and we basically called this over in April, which was six months ago, uh, I'm going to say scary. Um, this is a position that I never dreamed Sherman would be in. He was he was out in front of this class, light years out in front of him in April, 
and still could improve, which was easy that he was going to do that, easy to see he would do it. Well, he improved, but he ain't improved at the clip that I really thought he would and that maybe we even predicted he would. And now there is someone in the middle of October that is hot, that is talented, that is going to be at the races, and he's got a shot to, to upend my man, Sherm. It's scary. Scary as hell, Luke. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I don't want this to happen. No offense, Trevor, but Sherm, Sherm can see light at the end of the tunnel, bro. Let's let him just relax. Let him get this done. You, you come back another year. It was just like, I don't know, four, five months ago, Big Jet, I wrote in the pages of National Dragster that not only is Sherman going to win the national championship, he might have a perfect season. The national championship is a sure thing. The highest points total in Supergas history is likely, and perfection is attainable. If this doesn't work out, I am the ultimate jinx in the history of time, Jen. I can't have that on my I can't have that on my conscience. Your fault. It's your I fault. Root, I don't want to root against Trevor. I can't have that on my conscience, Jen. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't need For Trevor you gotta be able to sleep at night, Luke. The win in Dallas is Trevor's second win of the season in his fifth final round. Again, he did not stage prior to July 28th. He now sits 93 points back of Sherman. That's still a big number, but it's a little bit deceiving because Trevor gets full points at his next national event, which means that he gets 30 more when he stages for round one. With two national events remaining on the schedule, if Trevor wins another one, he would surpass Sherman Adcock and would likely be the world champion. There are some other scenarios for Larson short of winning either Vegas or Pomona. Um, he can also add to his score at the Vegas Divisional where he's improving a third round loss. So if, for instance, he could advance to the semifinals at the Divisional, that's just that many less rounds that he'd have to win at his last national event. Um, so there's a few scenarios. The, the, the cleanest cut way for Trevor Larson to surpass Sherman Adcock Jr. would be to win one of those two remaining national events. But like I say, you can get there a couple of different ways. Um, Austin Williams, as we've discussed before, also still has a mathematical chance. I believe it's just mathematically down to those three at this point. Um, for Austin to pull it off, he would have to win two of his last three races, and one of those wins would have to be the divisional. He would also then have to hope that Trevor did not pass Sherman Atcock Jr. Uh, and, and take that top score even higher. So those are the two with the shot. We've been saying for a couple of weeks, we identified those two as the long shots. Trevor shot still long, not as long as it was a week ago. It's, it's, uh, it's not as long as it used to be. Um, <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, but, uh, but certainly Sherman not comfortable right now. He's, he's bracket racing at the, at the great American 500 K he's trying to enjoy oh, himself, but, but, Sherm's you know, let's don't take this out of context. Sherm's comfortable. He knows he has no control over it. It is what it is and what happens happens, but you know, man, he had to been feeling so good just a couple of months ago now to be uh, having to watch these, even watch these results is, is probably frustrating for him, but where's a, where's a good COVID outbreak when you need one, Luke? I mean, we need a, we need a West coast COVID outbreak or something freaking just 
you know, cancel an event or two. Uh, I'm worried about being a jinx. You're not only trying to sabotage the season of Trevor Larson, but sideline half the damn country. Well, it ain't half. There's not near as many people out there. So it would only, it'd be a small percentage. It it (laughs) might be 19% of the country in terms of population. Shouldn't be a big deal. We have a new leader atop the top dragster standings, Big Jed. Give me one word on Vince Mussolino taking the national points lead. Uh, Awesome. The one word is awesome. Uh, You know, I don't know Vince, but uh, but I've, I've, you know, I guess stalked him a little bit through this process and kind of checked up on him some and this looks like a, a fun family dude that's living the dream, having a blast, Luke, enjoying himself and racing very, very well in a difficult category. You know, this is cool stuff, and it's awesome to watch guys like Vince Mussolino. And certainly not, it's not like he's not capable of doing this every year, but I don't think that he, he puts all of his eggs in that basket every year. So for him to ultimately uh, perform well and decide to chase this on out and then take the lead, really cool stuff. Again, uh, you know, I guess there's always a chance that it'll end poorly for him, but certainly uh, certainly looks good for him right now, and he's uh, has the lead at a pivotal point in the season. Really good stuff. Vince Mussolino advanced to the quarterfinal round in Dallas. That put him in the lead ahead of Clint Geisey. Perhaps even more important than that, Mussolino won a dramatic, pivotal round two matchup with your Alabama boy, Big Jed, Jeff Strickland. Strickland, I guess, in a similar situation to what we talked about with Tyler Bohannon and Stock Eliminator, Strick really needed to win his last two races to to really feel like he was going to win the championship, but he was basically the, the third racer that had an opportunity to do that. His path and Mussolino's path cross in round number two. Um, so huge round there for points implications. And just to set the stage for this, I, I don't think I'm, I'm talking out of my rear end here, Jed. I believe I don't have this in front of me. I believe this was round two Saturday morning after like this huge front blows in massive changing conditions in Dallas. And I just, I remember watching, I was just watching live timing that morning, but Super gas and super comp. It was like the wildest round you've ever seen. Everybody seemingly either went like a tenth under or a tenth over. Like they were missing it to both sides of this. And here comes Strick and Mussolino in a pair of Pro Charger top dragster cars that are notoriously not the easiest thing to dial when conditions change, much less when there is a dramatic move like this. And Strick's like, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say Strick's like 13 and high dead on and loses like it was some ridiculous race and Mussolino comes out on top extends that points lead eliminates Strickland from championship contention Mussolino did fall eventually in the quarterfinal round so he's not far ahead of Clint Geist like they've still got a a, quite the the matchup and a lot to be determined there but that was a huge round that uh, that put Mussolino in a great position moving forward now the remaining top dragster season, like there's not much racing left, period, Jed. But in top dragster, it's even shorter yet because there's only one national event left. 
um, top dragster is not contested at Las Vegas. So the only national event remaining on the schedule is in Pomona, plus the two remaining divisionals, one in Rockingham, one in Las Vegas. Now, in theory, Vince Mussolino could attend and could earn points at all three. Again, that's some Jimmy Lewis type stuff there. That's leaving Dallas, driving to Rockingham, leaving Rockingham, driving to Las Vegas. Right now, he sits 13 points ahead. He'll work to improve a first round loss in Pomona. He's got a third round loss to better at one or both of those divisional events. Meanwhile, Clint Geisey, he'll run the Vegas divisional. He'll run Pomona. He's improving a second round loss at both. And again, he's 13 points behind Mussolino right now. So I guess given the slight advantage that he's got now on paper, plus the fact that he's improving at least at a national event, one round lower a score, I guess it's a slight edge to Vince Mussolino. I certainly didn't think we were going to say that. Two months ago, it looked like Clint Geisy was going to run away with this thing. Even though Mussolino's got a slight edge right now, like there's a lot that could happen between those two. I'd say it's essentially a coin flip. Maybe it's 55-45 Mussolino. It's going to be really fun to watch between those two from opposite ends of the country. Yeah, no doubt, Luke. Uh, obviously, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's still a chance that that uh, that he won't ultimately accomplish the goal. But you know, you, you give you give anybody the option of where they want to be sitting middle of October. He's sitting where you want to be sitting. Now, is he, is he as far in front of the class as he'd like to be? Absolutely not. But certainly, uh, certainly driving very well and sitting in a great spot and give me 55, 45 odds. I think um, obviously most of the time that's going to work out in my favor. So we'll see how it works out for Vance pulling for him. Hope it goes well. Uh, although I know Strick was in the mix there and hate that, uh, that, that come up short for him, but, you know, he's, uh, he's won this championship before. He knows how it feels. And I'd like to see Vance get this done and let him experience the dream one time. Well, the competition eliminator world championship is not over, Big Jed, according to math. It is, according to one prominent competition eliminator driver. One word on Vinnie Barone proclaiming Congratulating Bruno Massel Jr. on his competition eliminator world championship a bit prematurely. Well, Benny Barone says it, Luke. I'm going to have to put the one word of done on this one. <laughs> if Benny Barone says he's, he's the winner, then he's going to be the winner because nobody, uh, well, I say nobody, not many people know the comp game like one Benny Barone. So uh, I will take Benny's word, uh, the godfather or one of the, the godfather type figures in that category. Certainly uh, a guy that has put a lot of his uh, life's efforts into the comp category. So I want to say it's done. All right, let me just provide a little bit of context. I see this pop up in my Facebook feed, Vinny Barone, and it's just very casually, congratulations to Bruno Massel, 2023 competition limited champion. And I'm like, damn, Bruno clinched. I, I thought there was people, more people with a shot. That's cool. Congratulations to Bruno. I didn't think anything of it. Went to bed. Got up the next morning, I thought, Jim Greenick's still in in Dallas. Like, it can't be over, can it? So I start doing the math. And I'm like, no, it ain't over. Then I start reading the comments. And it's 80 comments down, people congratulating Bruno. 80 comments down, somebody's like, hey, it ain't over yet. 
And that's when I realized, Big Jed, that Vinnie Barone, Vinnie Barone is not bad at math. Vinnie Barone is playing chess and the rest of us are playing checkers. The reason that Vinnie Barone made that post is not because Jim Greenack doesn't have a, a mathematical shot. He went on to win Dallas. He's got a pretty decent shot on paper. Vinnie Barone made that post when Jim Greenack took 600s permanent index and Vinnie knows he's got to go to Las Vegas. And Vinnie says, you can't overcome that. Chess, not checkers, Big Jed. According to Vinnie, Bruno is the champ. Now on paper, Bruno still leads and he still controls his own destiny. He's got one race left. He's improving a third round loss on the division side. Presumably he will try to improve that in Las Vegas. Jim Greenack, Jim Greenack did win at Dallas. He's within 24 points of Bruno right now. Greenock can earn points at both remaining Lucas Oil Series events. Again, there's just two left on the schedule, Rockingham and Las Vegas. Win either one of those, and he's the leader right now. But again, Bruno can still improve his score. If Jim Greenock, Big Jed, would go to Rockingham and Vegas and win them both, it's officially over. Bruno can't even catch him at that point. So Vinny... He's no dummy. He's playing chess. We're playing checkers. But it's also a race or two where anything could happen. And I'm not so sure this one's over. Well, Luke, obviously it isn't over mathematically, but uh, but Vinny obviously has insight to what that 600s penalty means. Now, for people that don't understand the comp game, I won't even begin to try to explain this to you, but you can go look at some comp qualifying from previous events and see what 600s difference in your under means on the qualifying sheet. So it gives you a little insight into, into how much power it takes to overcome that. And you do need some power. You obviously got to lead the starting line on time, but you need some power and you need to run in that range, Luke, uh, that, that six tenths under range. Now I'm not saying Jim Greenheck doesn't have plenty of more power hour to do it but once you've damaged your penalty 600s and you continue to beat that up you're going you're going to damage your yourself your category for others you're going to do damage that people don't look favorably upon so jim greenheck has a monumental challenge in front of him to overcome uh 600 cic and and then certainly still make the power in vegas at elevation to overcome that and get it done. So I like uh, Bruno's chances right now. Without question, the one category that is still wide open at this point, nothing has changed since last week, Big Jed. It's Superstop. Nothing really got settled. Nothing really changed after Dallas last weekend. Brian Warner continues to lead. Three weeks after I said he had no chance of holding that lead. He's still atop the standings. I still don't think he's going to win, but I didn't think he'd be there right now. So who knows going forward? The one note of, of note from the past weekend in Dallas, Big Jed, one championship contender, Ryan McClanahan. My understanding here is Ryan McClanahan won first round of the national event in Dallas. Then he won first round of the Jags All-Stars. Then he was subsequently disqualified for a wheelbase violation. Big Jed, one word on Ryan McClanahan's DQ for being too short or maybe too long. I'm not real sure for not having the right wheelbase on that cobalt. Uh, Luke, my one word is shocking. Um, and I, I don't know if that's because 
McClanahan had the infraction or if it's because McClanahan was DQ'd for the infraction. Because quite frankly, I've raced a little super stock. I've raced a little stock. Never, ever have I had anyone check my wheelbase in tech or in a, you know, an inspection after a wind light or whatever. So um, really didn't even realize they did that. And my source that discussed this with me earlier this week told me that he don't remember uh, being checked for wheelbase before. And he felt like the NHRA actually just needed something to check that they thought would be a slam dunk and be easy because they really didn't want to have to DQ anyone. And lo and behold, they found an infraction that they couldn't overlook. I, I don't know if the wheelbase was long. I don't know if it was short. I have no idea. But it was deemed outside of the parameters that they allow. And they eliminated him. And I understand that Ryan was not a happy camper, as I would expect uh, anyone would be after that. And, um, you know, just a, uh, another word you put on, it's a shame. But, uh, but it is a shocking DQ. I never, you know, you got a shocking DQ one time in Stock Eliminator that I, I never would have dreamed they couldn't figure out how to get past this is as shocking or worse. This this actually happened after a wind light. Yeah, I, I'm, I I fully realize that I'm walking down a slippery slope here, and I and this may not. I don't have my finger on the pulse of this at all. This may not be a popular opinion in the stock and super stock categories because I realize there is always a place for rules and enforcement. And specifically in those categories, right? Like there is a there is a code to live by to maintain the integrity of those classes, right? And 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 all and all of the the intricacies that go along with that. And if we're gonna abide by all of those rules, like that's part of running those classes. If that's the argument, I get it. My counter argument would be, why are we why are we checking this in October? Not to say that anyone was targeted, right? I don't think this was some plot to derail Ryan McClanahan's championship season. But when we're going to make a big deal about this at one of the last races of the season, it just opens the door to throw out someone that drove halfway across the country with designs on winning the world championship, which is exactly what happened to Ryan McClanahan over an infraction that, is it is it illegal? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, by the letter of the law. And and again, slippery slope to say, like, we don't enforce the rules. But my argument is, what advantage does being, and if there's something I don't realize here, by all means, stock, super stock aficionados, chassis builders, let me know. But if that car is an inch shorter than it's supposed to be, or an inch longer than it's supposed to be, whatever, what advantage does that provide for Amaclan? What is that? How does that provide him a competitive advantage? Because in my mind, it doesn't. And if it doesn't, we can't throw him out of a freaking race in October for it when he's got a shot at the world championship. It's one thing if you want to make an example of someone in March or you want to check all of this in qualifying and say, hey, you can't race like that. you got to get it fixed before first round. I don't know how you fix that. Like, I don't even know if that's fixable. But give him a chance. Give him a day, right, to just say, ah, you're out. Like, 
again, maybe I'm biased having been through somewhat of a similar experience, but I just, and that's, that's not the way that I'd want to be treated. That's not the way that I would want to do it if I was in charge. Easy for me to say, like I say, slippery slope, I know, but that just doesn't sit right with me. It seems bizarre. You muted, Jit. I'm sure way agree in. that it does. <laughs> it does seem bizarre, and I, I get that. But I could also see where a a shortened or elongated uh, wheelbase could create a competitive advantage. You know, if you had a car that wasn't working very well and you either needed to stretch it a little or shorten it a little, that could change the way the car works and and the temperament of it off the starting line and those things. Certainly not accusing Ryan McClanahan of doing that intentionally. You know, he he might be a guy like me. I mean, if I took it to my builder and said, hey, here's the rules and, you know, I get it back and this thing's working like gangbusters, then I'm going to take it and race it and everything's good. And then you tell me what well, my wheelbase is out of parameters, then I wouldn't have known that myself. So Ryan could be in that boat, but I can see where it could create a competitive advantage in a category where, you know, getting off the starting line consistently, which is all categories for all intents and purposes, but um, in a category like that, where, you know, this, you could have heads up races and those type things, a changed wheelbase could be, certainly a competitive advantage. So I'm not necessarily condoning the DQ because I'm not sure why that matters a whole lot, but I guess I could somewhat understand NHRA's position on it, that it was out enough that they felt like there was a competitive advantage there and they, they had to, to apply the DQ. Now, why it's being done in October I, I, I agree with that question or uh, certainly on your side there. And again, my source felt like all they did was go pick a couple of things out of the rule book that they knew nobody was going to be uh, in violation of. And this thing's going to be a slam dunk. And we get the, you know, we get our all-stars without any drama and all those things. And oops, we found something that we couldn't overlook. So I think they were intending for this to be a home run and it, uh, it got foul tipped. No, and to be clear, that's a reasonable argument. I, I disagree that it's grounds for disqualification, but it's a reasonable argument. Staying on the, the Jags All-Stars, Big Jed, give me one word, one word on Rusty Cook's fourth victory in the Supergas Jags All-Stars and third in a row. Uh, Luke, um, historic. Uh, Rusty is a is a legend in this category. He's been doing this for I don't even know how long. I mean, it's it's well over two decades, possibly three decades plus that Rusty's been winning Super Gas, and and certainly on the IHRA side, um, uh, that would have been um, Super Rod. Right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, he, he was obviously a legend on the IHRA side uh, in those days and, and just moved his talents over to NHRA. So historic. I mean, for a guy that's been doing it as long as he has to come out and get this done 
his fourth overall and his third consecutive, you know, and laying down solid runs. This guy is a legend in the sport. And I picked him, I think, way back when to win the the super gas title one year when we were doing our NHRA picks back in the early days of the podcast, um, simply because I know how long and successful his career has been. And here we are many years later talking about uh, an astonishing feat of, of three in a row and four overall in the All-Stars event. Really cool stuff. Uh, so I, I call this historic. As impressive as it is, Jed, to win three consecutive Jags All-Stars title, as impressive as it is to win four overall, as impressive as it is to win one, I think it all pales in comparison to the performance, Jed. Rusty Cook not only won, he laid down 12 total in the final to beat Steve Parsons, Division 7 representative. That was a thou worse than he did in the semis. It's only three rounds, <laughs> Big Ben. He was no worse than 12 total in two of them. Pretty impressive stuff from wow. one of the greatest of all time in the category, for sure. Speaking of all-stars, Big Jim, we buried the lead. One word on Division Six Superstock representative Troy Olsenowski. Implementing his own version of a top-end throttle stop to win the All-Stars in Superstock? Wait, what? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you can sum this up in one word, Luke, but unbelievable. So when I was <laughs> when I was told how Troy <laughs> was accomplishing this. It's like, who in the world even thinks of doing something like that? And then to go out and win. And look, before you, before you talk too much about it, you talked about that monster uh, weather swing yes. they had out there. And what changed for Troy? I mean, it didn't look like much of anything. It's, it's incredible how he stayed consistent in a range with the way he's doing this. It was, it was very, very unbelievable. So if you're listening along, scratching your head going, what are these knuckleheads talking about? You can't have a throttle stop in Superstock Eliminator. We know. Troy Olsenowski <laughs> is the driver of a big vehicle. Is that a, I think it's a Chevelle station wagon. It's a big vehicle. And I, I remember this car actually stood out to me. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, Big Jed, because this is a super stock station wagon with digital dial boards. You just don't see that very often in super stock. Like it rung way up on the cool meter for me when I was out west this year. I'm like, I like station wagons and I like digital dial boards in super stock. This guy's cool, right? Well, on his last time trial, well, how he qualified. So he made both time trials like this. Troy Olsenowski went 717 to the eighth mile. He went 950 to the thousand foot mark. And then he presumably shut off. He went 1178 at 92 miles an hour. That's not that uncommon in super stock qualifying, right? A lot of racers shut off, position themselves where they want to be on the ladder. Just for reference sake, I found another car on live timing that ran a similar ET to Troy Olsenowski. It was Thomas Marlowe, Tomcat. In qualifying, Tomcat ran 713 to the eighth, 400s quicker, 936 to 1,000 foot, 
1400 is quicker. 1125 at 119. Troy Alsonowski rolled up for first round of the Jags All-Stars. About 11.78. That's what he went at 92 miles an hour on his time run. And guess what? From first round through the final round, that dial-in moved from 11.78 to 11.79. And he never missed that target by more than 16 thousandths of a second. And he never exceeded a speed of 91 miles an hour. My man had the old 30 mile an hour spot drop working Big Jed to the tune of a Jags All-Stars victory. Uh, truly incredible, Luke. Uh, you know, this is a this is a strategy that you might see a guy use with a throttle stop. Uh, obviously, we've seen this used with a throttle stop, but to, to kill it on the top end instead of the bottom end to to try to change the view from your opponent's windshield and, you know, how fast the closure rate is. So they can't employ a lot of strategy in their dial and wheel you through and those type things. Totally understandable. In a category like this, this is this is built on power and trying to make sure that you run under the index. So you typically are stretching it on out a little bit. So what I don't know what the index is in choice category, but obviously you have to dial under the or the at least that the index. The he was still like 50 something under, shutting off a thousand foot. Yeah, so so he obviously found a point there where he could make this happen relatively easily. But Luke, my source says that Troy Olsenowski has a lower RPM, lower than normal high side chip in in the car for for rev limiting to keep you know from having a, a major catastrophe should the engine over rev. Well, he put a lower chip in it. And my understanding is just as soon as it bangs that high side chip, Troy gives up and coasts through. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but that's what was reported. And he does it at an extremely consistent level, more so than I think he even could have accomplished making wide open runs. I mean, this was unbelievable, the consistency that he had, especially given you know, the weather change and all that was going on, typically the slower cars, if, if you're going to see a tenth on on, a, on your average super stocker or any powerful vehicle like that, you're going to see two tenths on a car that runs in the 11s, maybe a tenth and a half at the worst. And Troy didn't see any of that. I don't know if he changes the chip when the weather gets better or what, but amazing. If, if that is 100% accurate, I'm not sure it's completely legal. Like that would be a great area, gray area. Like you're not supposed to have a downtrack stutter, but regardless, I wouldn't think it would be an advantage. That's not the way that I would approach things. And yet, obviously my man knows something we don't, Big Jed. To that, to your point, he moved the dial in 100 in eliminations, never missed it more than 16 thousandths of a second and did so. I just talked about that weather swing. They ran first round of the All-Stars Friday, semis and finals Saturday. Like other opponents moved their dial in a tenth for Elsonowski. 
I'm going eleven seventy eight at ninety two, big dog. I don't. It's I don't understand exactly what he did, and I'm not going to accuse him of anything nefarious at all. I just think it's damn impressive for anybody to think that far outside the box and pull it off. Pretty freaking cool. And he's in the biggest, heaviest car in the class with a digital dial board. The cool meter is freaking way up there. Way up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's hitting the peg for sure. That is super cool. And to even to even think of it, very cool. To try it, super cool. To take it to the damn all-stars, Luke, is simply amazing. And and shout out to Troy Olsenowski for the strategy and then being willing to go do it on a, on a ultimately what is the the best in the class um, all assembled at one spot from each division and then to pull it off and win you know you just can't yeah I got to stop putting one words on it because it I can't even get close to describing it <laughs> all right well I've just got one more word for you big Jed one word to sum up our Jags all-stars prediction um predictions luke i'm gonna say pitiful predictably i mean it's not like we we had seven divisions so you know you got a you got a one in seven this ain't like picking the winner of the race you got a one in seven chance so your odds are decent way better than normal way better than picking one of these freaking multi uh or uh freaking huge bracket races big butt bracket races Got a one in seven, picking the right division. Then, of course, you have a one in seven or one in eight of picking the the right winner in a in a category. And for us not to get more than we did, I mean, we are the voice of sportsman drag racing. We are the most knowledgeable two sportsman drag racing podcasters on earth. Maybe the only two. But we should have been better than this. It's pitiful. I didn't even think we did that bad. Man, you oh, okay. Well, I'll take it all back. I thought we did. I thought we should have picked more winners. I've jinxed Sherman Adcock Jr. and I'm pitiful. We both break <laughs> badly on our team predictions. Jed picked Division Two. I picked Division Five. D7, as we touched on earlier, they won in dramatic fashion. Uh, over Division Four, so, so neither of our divisions got close. Our, our picks didn't win it. They did do better than Division One, which I always just kind of chuckle about. And to be fair, Division One did win it last year. I just get sick of the narrative from the the Northeasterners as like they're the best racers ever put on a helmet, right? It's this. It's tough everywhere, right? It's tough everywhere. Division One last place, but again, Luke, I Luke, digress. I, I, yeah. Luke, I, I hate to backtrack on the podcast because i know we're moving forward we're forward movers and and steve logan by the way while ago steve logan said uh the the cic the six <laughs> the 600 cic penalty was a was a uh a, like a smack in the balls i think is what he said uh, <laughs> i like that <laughs> you know, it's just basically you, you don't overcome that but uncle james a friend of the podcast uh, obviously, a guy who's done it, uh, you know, done extraordinary things in, in super categories. James Conkle said he doesn't change the chip. The weather changes the location on the track 
that it slows that. So yeah, no, I can follow that that theory if that's in fact what he's doing. Like that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought if you're if you're making another tenth and a half for power, you would have just changed the the chip a, a certain number uh, to lower it some more. But uh, but Uncle James cleared that up for me. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank you, Uncle James. Uncle James. Was now, it a kick anyway, like, you said a slap to the balls. Ah, you know, it was one of those. It was, it was a, it was a direct shot to the balls, which is doesn't matter what it's with. I mean, that's painful. Fair, fair, fair. You <laughs> called it on Brandon Miller. You said he was going to win top drag extra. He won top drag extra. I called it on Chase yes. Williams. I said he's going to win comp eliminator. He won comp eliminator. By the way, big weekend for Chase Williams. He won the All Stars uh, events deep in the national event. He won the one hundred thousand dollar Roof Tech bonus. Nobody's had a better year in competition eliminator than Chase Williams. I don't care what Bruno Massel Jr. says. And we got close on some others. We had some near misses, Big Jed. We both picked the, picked the original Tex-Mex to win the Stock Eliminator All-Stars. My man made it to the final. He laid down 28 final, 28 total in the final, off the foot, on the long track. Got over 10 change from one Joe Sorensen. So we missed on Tex-Mex a little bit. I picked Tyler Wadarzik to win Superstock. He didn't. But you know what he did? He won the national event. He won the damn race. I picked Kurt Frederick to win top sportsman. He didn't do it. But you know what he did? He won the damn race the next day. So, you know, we did all right. Had a, had a right result, wrong class situation, Jeff. Well, Luke, the, with all due respect, uh, the, the, the one word that I was applying uh, to uh, the, the the topic that I was applying the one word to was our all-star predictions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, although you were right, driver wrong class, it was a wrong class. And collectively, wrong. I, I was wrong. not you individually, collectively as a team, we were pitiful. 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 <laughs> Should have seen it coming. Should have picked Troy Olsenowski, Troy dialed 1178. Yeah, who didn't? See that one coming. Oh, Steve says it was a whack across the bottom. <laughs> a whack across. That's it. It's a, so much better. Yeah, it was, sounds painful. Really painful. All right. Let's, let's, let's circle back. Tie this in a nice little bow. We'll circle back to Montgomery, Big Jed. As we're recording in live time, by the time our, our hashtag loyal listeners listen to this, they'll know who won today's 40 grand in Montgomery. But let's pick it. We are down to eight, Big Jed. Courtesy of Paige Hamlin, we've got the info. Troy Williams Jr., Brian Bennett, a couple of former IHRA world champions right there in the top two. T-Rock, Brian Bennett, A.J. Ash, Slate Cummings, another former IHRA world champion. Sugar Shane, another former IHRA world champion. Do you sense a trend here? Caroline McCarty, IHRA hasn't crowned a world champion since Caroline McCarty started racing, so she doesn't fit that well. Brian Whitworth, Kurt Harvey, who was doubled last round, just dropped one entry, still has one left at eight. Give me a winner. Troy Williams Jr., Brian Bennett, A.J. Ash, Slate Cummings, Sugar Shane, Caroline McCarty, Brian Whitworth, Kurt Harvey. Yeah, this one's tough. Uh, That's a talented group right there, and certainly don't see a name on the list that I don't think can win. They all are – certainly uh subject to win and they're all still remaining in the race which helps your winning chances um 
I want to pick sugar because I don't want Carrie to bust my ass, but uh, but I'm not going to do that. That's an easy pick, pick sugar, Shane, to win. Um, I am going to go with AJ Ash. I don't know which car AJ's remaining in, if he's in the Grand Slam or if he's in Richard Duke's Chevy twice. Uh, he's driving both of those, but uh, either way, oh, they, they say Paige says he's in his car. I like AJ's chances. Uh, I like the the six zero car getting after him. AJ Ash for the win. Believe it or not, Jed, you stole my thunder. I was going to go with Alvin on this. What? One. I was going to go with Alvin. Um, wow. Yeah. I, Sorry, bro. No, it's all good. I, there's there's seven other qualified candidates. I'll go somewhere else. It's hard to bet against Sugar, man. Give me – I'm just going to stick with you on the door cars. Give me Caroline McCartan. I'll take sweet Caroline. Love it. Love it. 6-0 wheel stander. I got a 6-0 stays on the ground. One of us surely get this done, Luke. Oh, I mean, one of you could win tonight. One yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. The field was capped. I actually don't think it's completely full, but we know there's going to be close to 385 entries. So there's no fun doing our typical predict the number of entries, right? That's that's pretty predictable at this point. Give me a winner of tomorrow's $500,000 main event. Give me an MVP for the week. I don't even know if they award an MVP, but give me the name that we will be talking the most about on next week's show, shy of winning the $500,000 show. Uh, Luke, I am going to, um, pick for the 500k win. I'm going to pick, man, I want to pick a door car real bad. So I'm going to go with Kevin Pruitt. I like Kevin Pruitt in the door car, Montgomery's home. He's won track championships there when he was Alabama guy. So go on, Kevin Pruitt. So yesterday, last night, my oldest, Gary, he turns on the race. My youngest, Jack, is in the bathtub, and I'm washing Jack up. And they're excited because Gary says, Rocky's still in. Rocky's still in. We're big Rocky Van Note fans in this house, if you haven't caught on to that, right? So Jack's wanting to get out of the bathtub. He's fired up. Rocky, 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 right? But we're still in the bathtub. We're just getting cleaned up. And Gary says, he's racing another wagon. I said, what color is it? Can't see the TV. It's a blue station wagon. I said, oh, that's Kevin Pruitt. And in Montgomery, that is bad news. And sure enough, that was the end of Rocky's night. So that's a good pick. <laughs> Kevin Pruitt anywhere, but specifically back at the old stomping grounds. I like that pick. We'll get to MVP in a second. My pick's probably not there, but I called it a week ago. And Big Chet, I'm not backing up. Maybe if he's not there and he hears this, he'll pack up. You can get there from Kentucky to Montgomery overnight. Josh Baker, if you're there, go win. If you're not, get to Montgomery, son. This is you. Yeah, it's your race, bro. If he knew he was going to win, he'd certainly be there. I've been calling it for a week. Somebody sent in the memo. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if he's there or not. I don't know if he's there or not, but he'd certainly be a threat to win if he was. Uh, MVP, you took the guy that uh, that I was really wanting to pick for the 500K win. 
I certainly think he's MVP material. So I'll go a different direction for MVP at this point. It's it's a little easier, Luke, because the son of a gun's winning at a double entry clip like crazy. And if he finishes this thing off, he's going to have a stranglehold on it. But I'm going to say Kurt Harvey. And I know that's a cop-out pick, but he's looking really good. So I had to go with him. Knowing what we know now, it is hard to bet against Kurt Harvey. If you wanted to handicap it, it's it's hard to bet against Dylan Coggins, too. He's been on a roll yeah. in the early goings as well. I made this pick full transparency, Big Jed, and you can vouch for me on this. We were originally going to record Tuesday evening this week. So I did my show notes on Monday, and I made this pick then, before he advanced to the quarterfinal round last night, before he got to the last 16 cars tonight. Again, it's not as impressive to this point as to what Kurt Harvey's done. It's not as impressive to this point as what Dylan Coggins has done. But I'll stand by my pick, Big Jed, and say that by the end of the week, we're talking about Nick Folk. Nick Folk, MVP of the Great American $500,000 win race. Super solid pick, Luke. Um, uh, I was there over the weekend at the Mike Smith race, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday evening sometime, the Folk rig rolls in takes their parking spot. They unload and get everything ready. Sunday, Nick comes out in the, in the super stalker and well, not a super stalker anymore, I don't guess, but, uh, but he comes out and goes to the semis and falls short to Timmy Smith, um, which is, uh, you know, just, that was fate, but I knew then, you know, it's typical Nick folk. This guy's just focused and solid and, got good strategy, sticks to his strategy. He's so well-rounded on the racetrack and a, a super solid pick. Certainly is going to be a, a threat in the 500K and a threat for MVP, but um, he's already been a lot of rounds uh, this weekend and, and still a couple of big races to go. So I love that pick. Very, very good choice. If you remember back a year ago, you talked about Nick rolling in Saturday night and the Folk family rolling in Saturday night, did the same thing a year ago, drove to victory in the Sunday portion of the Mike Smith Memorial Race. Maybe was runner-up. He was deep in that race that year, too, and then won a day at the Million. It's what he does, man. Like, yeah. and, and just, I actually, I, I, had, I worked on a project within This Is Bracket Racing Elite that we included Nick on shortly after that event last year, and he had a great explanation for it. He's like, ah, ah, I'm old, man. Like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't focus. <laughs> For uh, 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 there was some colorful words, and I can't focus for a week and a half. Like I just, I gotta break it up. If I'm if I'm there the whole week before, like I'm I'm spent toast by the time the million comes around. Roll on Sunday, get a couple of hits, I'm ready. He's got a plan. He's sticking to the plan. He's executing the plan. Big Jed, MVP. Luke, I don't know if that was a better Brian Folk impersonation or a Nick Folk impersonation somewhere in the middle of them, but it was freaking awesome. Like that? I mean, if yeah. I could have just closed my eyes and listened, I would have thought it was one of those guys. If I could get a little bit more colorful with my language, it would be spot on. <laughs> yeah. We'd have to move our podcast to a different, uh, different area. If, if you, if you did it exact good stuff, uh, certainly 
looking forward to seeing who uh, claims these wins tonight. And uh, Booty Harris asked, why are you not there, Jed? Uh, I've had an entry down there this week, Booty. The J-O-B has uh, kept me from being there. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm jetting to Montgomery International Dragway in the morning. Going to run the big show, and I get to finish it up in the 40K on uh, Saturday. So I get a couple of days of racing in, which is about all I'll, uh, I'll want to get in uh, after they cave my head in. So thank you for asking, but, uh, but I'll be doing a little announcing, a little racing next couple of days. Luke, I think that wraps us up. I think we're done. Yeah, I got the thumbs up. Um, folks, thank you for watching. Um, if you're tuning in live tonight, we know we were battling head to head with the, with the great American 500 K 40 grander here on Thursday night. So, uh, participation was much appreciated. I know those of you who tuned in probably are watching, uh, both. So thank you again for watching live. We appreciate all of you and thank you for the interaction tonight. That was good stuff as well. Um, and, uh, if you're just listening on Friday, which is tomorrow now, because this is a Thursday. So if you're just listening on Friday, we appreciate that. If you somehow didn't have enough to do and you did both, God bless you, as you, you really need to get a hold of your life. Um, if you want to talk to us about something we said or should have said or didn't said or whatever, there's a place to do that. It's right here where you're watching or listening. That's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Go there and tell us what you got to say. If you don't want the world to see that, then uh, you can do that through private message and producer Mark, wherever he is, will snag that up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, I, I don't think you had shouts. I, I didn't see you reaching for the notebook. I didn't write anything down. My, my fancy camera just died. So I'm on like low res. Not sure if my microphone's still working. I, I'm telling yeah, you, man, it's like I got a 75 minute window at that point. I turned into a pumpkin. It's toast. I got nothing. <laughs> Well, uh, honesty is, uh, is much appreciated, and that was as honest as you could be. Um, so, guys, Luke and I are both active on the X, formerly known as Twitter or maybe still known as Twitter. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Look at us, tweet us, add us, tag us, whatever you do there. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We've got a great show coming up again next week, and we can't wait to talk to you real soon about more sports and drag racing. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. 
You can dream of that feeling all you want. Or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.